people welcome back to the over in 80 minutes podcast we're back again episode four of series two this week i am joined by a truly special guest following on from ryan owens this week i want to welcome the producer of no woman no try the creator of the i am enough movement and my early contender for badass of the year 2022 victoria rush victoria how are you hey i'm really good sam thanks for having me Thank you for coming on. I was I didn't expect to get a message back, but as you were telling me before we came on air, you've been you've spent a lot of time on Instagram replying to messages. I have, yeah. My screen time's gone up dramatically in the last month. Yeah, it's um it's really key for me to make sure I get back to every single person that messages me, uh, whether it's about the film or the movement or, or whatever it is. So uh if I can, no message is left unreplied. And if it is unreplied, please message me again because uh, I didn't do it on purpose. <laughs> Uh, it's all love. Instagram DMs get lost when you're on your way to superstar fame, like Victoria. <laughs> I wouldn't, wouldn't call it that, but hey, you're an. I have you written down as Amazon. I've been telling everybody I'm talking with Amazon Prime producers today, so I'm feeling quite smug about myself. They say yeah, they say people don't know they're famous until it's too late. So I can. Yeah, you should embrace it, shouldn't you? No, I think <laughs> I, the films. It's not about me. It was never about me. It's about the guys that are on it. So um, as long as they get the credit and. Uh, and and they get the future from it that's that's all that matters and exactly in that and it's as you said you've received millions of messages and you just you cannot get enough and as i told you before we came on i was meant to be on my lunch break watching the first hour and then go back to it and then yeah sorry sorry boss but may have watched an extra bit while i was working but i did make the hour back so grand scheme of things yeah exactly it's what working from home is all about and uh if your boss watches it they'll know why it's, I might just do that. I might just send them the link. And I'll be like, do you know what, you, boss? You can use my Prime account. Make sure you get that watched and then you'll understand. <laughs> right. So I know you're quite constrained for time because I've managed to rope you into my little old podcast. So once again, as we did with Ryan, I've streamlined the nice little intro questions. So I'm just going to go for the big three. And my first one is, is it acceptable to drink a cold cup of tea if you've left it to go cold? Yes. That's a, that was a very quick answer. That sounds like a person. I do it every left, day. <laughs> you've left many cups of tea. <laughs> All of the time. Yeah, all of the time. That is a daily occurrence. In fact, I brought the cold cup and reminded that it's cold most days. So, yeah, definitely. We need to get you one of those novelty ones that says, like, drink me before I'm cold on it or something. Or have you seen I don't those? Think that like, there's, oh, there's ones that have, like, timers on them then. They start beeping if you leave it for, like, a minute. On I don't need that. I don't need that. The <laughs> microwave beeps at me when I reheat it and leave it in there as well. So, uh, no, cold tea is fine. Oh, you even reheat it. You're a, you're a true Brit. <laughs> true but right the next one a bit more serious what is your favorite bit of rugby memorabilia or kit you've ever owned yourself and kept um it is my bucks final um shirt from when i played at twickenham in 2012 uh it even has my name on the back we didn't win the match but i still have the shirt and it is a piece of memorabilia memorabilia i will never give up in fact, that, I may even frame it one day when I've got space to put it somewhere. That is a good answer to that question. I've had Commonwealth, but that is... That sounds no, I think that wins. That. I, think, I that think it wins. <laughs> I like it. I think that's a great answer. And then vice versa, what is one rugby shirt from a player or previous player or anybody you could receive you would want? doesn't have to be signed just off a, sh- off a player's back. Nolly. Really? Nolly, Nolly, Nolly Waterman, yeah, yeah. 
she's quite influential. I've, her name gets wrong, so I don't think she realizes what she's done for modern day rugby. Her name is everywhere. She does. She does a lot for the game, um, and she does a lot of commentary as well. So uh, no, she's really cool. I had to. I had I was kind of fortunate enough to meet her once, um, and she's just wonderful and lovely. So uh, yeah, yeah, she's a bit of a legend, I think. Did you, Did you play it cool? Because when I when I meet you, I did my best. Honest, I don't. I don't play <laughs> no, we were wearing matching shoes. Um, so I think I spent most of the afternoon talking about that. But um <laughs> no, she's she was really lovely uh and, and really great to kind of have a chat with. So that's a good tactical icebreaker. I, I, I just I love the thought of you walking up playing cool going, nice shoes, and then just acknowledging <laughs> who it is when you're actually like Not basically it. <laughs> how it went, yeah. <laughs> I like that. Well, there we go. Streamline quick fire questions. So you mentioned Twickenham. I want to get right into it. How did you find, did you find rugby or did rugby find you? Because I always find that an interesting start point. Um, a bit of both. I didn't know women played rugby until I was 19, um, right, which right. people find weird, especially, you know, with everything I do now is basically about rugby. But my dad used to shout at the TV uh, when <laughs> I was a kid and he loved the game and he loved watching everyone play. So... I wanted to watch England play too, and I wanted to shout at the TV. I had no idea what was happening. You know, I might have been 14, 15 at this point. Um, and then when I got to uni, I just saw the, the women were playing rugby. Um, so in my second year, I kind of went to trials. It was a bit of a bit of a laugh. I was like, yeah, why not? Let's have a let's see what it's, see what this is about. Uh, caught the ball and then I think it was a bit like a light bulb moment, you know, and I was like, oh, this is what I'm meant to do. Uh, and that was kind of it, really. I never played another sport again from that moment. So I love the thought of you went like, I'm no longer a fresher. Got to get some, got to get some like groups in me on the CV. And you're like, yeah, I played hockey up to that point anyway. Um, and I played all sorts of sports all the way through school. But um, literally the moment I, I touched a rugby ball and never went back. So, uh, yeah, I think I found my home. I love that. So what's your earliest memory of rugby? If your dad was shouting at the TV, do you remember which player it was? Or do you remember which game? Or No, no, it was definitely the sort of Wilkinson, Jason Robinson era. Um, There's some pretty good but, role models to get introduced yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. But, um, <laughs> Yeah, that's probably that's probably all I really remember. I certainly remember the World Cup win, um, and I remember being around that. I, I wasn't really aware of what was going on at the time, but uh, yeah, that was that's definitely the earliest memory. Oh well, it sounds like you got brought up with a good a good one to watch, and then your dad taught you the right way as well to watch rugby. You live every tackle, even when you're watching it on the telly. <laughs> yeah. So uni rugby, how was that for quite, because I mean, hockey girls are pretty notoriously, they like a party as well, they're not exactly quiet and cheerful, but what was getting involved in the sort of uni rugby atmosphere like? Were you just yeah. like, these are these are girls that I'm going to be friends with for life, or were you like, this lot of wild, what's going on here? No, it was, I, was pretty, I was pretty used to it, having I kind of done freshers year the year before anyway, um, and then I played a lot more club rugby than, than uni rugby um, after my first season, but it was just it was just great to find a much more physical sport. Um, I was a goalkeeper in hockey, so I think that translated quite well. We were talking about because you're a yeah, it's the only kind of closest closest to contact you can get in another sport. I think um, or sport you know girls are given at school. Uh, so yeah, it was it was just it was just great, and and that club mentality that you get, I think for me, I kind of feel sad that I didn't grow up in a rugby club like a lot of kids get to. Um, I've kind of been around that when they grow up when actually I didn't even discover rugby clubs really existed until about 20, um, maybe, maybe 21. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, I mean, the, my friends from my first club 
back at West Park in Leeds, they're they are friends for life. Uh, you know, uh, those are my the best days of rugby were being a student playing club rugby on the weekends and going out on a Sunday night and and all of that kind of stuff. And yeah, if, if I could go back to anywhere in the world, it'd be Leeds. <laughs> You're one of the very few people that says that about Leeds outside of Leeds. <laughs> now, nah, best I'm, place. I, I'm from rural Scotland. We make Leeds look like Hollywood, so don't worry. <laughs> So you get into, you've got into your uni rugby, you're there, you're playing. How did you then find the club rugby? Was it the case of the uni girls were like, oh, we actually play twice a week if you want to come on Saturday as well? And you're like, oh, that sounds good, double the rugby. Uh, good question. I, well, I think one of my friends that I just knew from sort of going out in Leeds had mentioned that she was at a club or something. Um, and I'd messaged, I think I'd messaged her like, I, I want to play club. I think I'd, I'd gone into my placement year, so I was working monday to friday so i wasn't playing uni rugby um so to kind of pick up and, and keep going for right. a second season i went you know went to the nearest club and knew a couple of faces down there so that was kind of the the transition into club rugby and pretty much why i ended up staying there because it kind of it kind of became my uni family um you know i had everybody that looked after me because oh i wasn't particularly good at looking after myself as a student i don't think i am now either <laughs> but i was very bad at it when i was a student so uh, i found a little family within the rugby the rugby club and um pretty much lived there for two and a half two and a half years maybe that sounds good we've all had noodles for tea for five days in a row don't worry we've yeah. all done it <laughs> The pot, like I, we make fun of it. I call it. I used to, when I used to go to uni, I used to call it the Salet section to feel better about myself. I used to say sailing friend. So I was like, oh no, I only shop Salet brands. That's my, that's my thing. Yeah, but, well, know, we it, all did it. Yeah, you, you learn to appreciate what you've got now, don't you? Exactly. Yeah, it's nice to be able to look at things and go, oh, I actually can treat myself to that for once. <laughs> so I want to actually talk a bit as well about you playing rugby just actually as you involved so for those that don't know as even though you've got the millions and millions of fans now i'm going to keep going on about how famous you are because you keep trying to play it off that you're not <laughs> so i'm not but you, so you are you're millions and millions of fans they want to so where did you play rugby what position were you and how did that go uh i started on the wing as you do when you're small and you start playing rugby and they just check <laughs> you somewhere on the pitch which is fine uh, and then I pretty much transitioned into fullback, which I think is very much directly related to like playing a goalkeeper in hockey and and that sort of position and 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 outlook on the field, I suppose. Uh, and I really like the fullback role. Um, so yeah, just kind of played there forever, really. But to be honest, as long as you put me on the pitch, I don't really mind. I like you've got that utility, mate. Like coach, as long as I'm in the game, I'm happy. Yeah, there was a game this season we played. We ended up down to twelve players. Uh, at one point, I was nine. At one point, I was ten. Uh, I don't play either of those positions. In fact, I was putting the ball in the wrong side of the scrum, so I didn't know that you were only supposed to put it in on the left. That's the um, but nobody the told me the that. The ref should have been like, come around here. The ref wasn't. The ref was giving me nothing. <laughs> he, he absolutely didn't care that I had no idea what the rules were. Um, so I had, I had one of our props. I know it was our eight, my friend Sam. She was like, hey, over there, over there. I was like, cool. So just run around. Um, but yeah, but thanks, thanks to that ref. Um, but yeah, so I'll, I'll give it a go, to be honest. I don't mind. Oh, fair play. The ref was letting the game go. What was it? There was like the, just the French ref, like as long as you're playing, we're happy. That's all. We're yeah, exactly. <laughs> How did you end up at twelve feet? Just injury, or are you just? A bunch uh, of yeah, I think we I think we'd started with maybe fourteen anyway. We didn't have any subs. Maybe a yellow card and an injury got us down to just down to twelve. Heartbreaking. Do you know you need to fill your boots? I'm sure you've met Sean already. If you've spoken to Bruce, <laughs> yeah. you've met Sean. But fill your boots. You need. God. I, I, all I do is give free promos to other people on my podcast. I'm a shout out Bruce every second. Uh, it's not a bad thing. 
if his podcasts get better than mine, I have to get better to keep up with them. So that's how we do it. So talking about hockey, you were in goals. What crazy decision decided I fancy somebody taking what is effectively a round rock, hitting it with a massive wooden stick, and I'm the one that has to get in front of it. Yeah, you're covered in pads though, aren't you? But, I mean, I don't really know whether my happen. school was like missing property, but the pads that we were using were not very effective. <laughs> No, I was, I was all right. Like I, I did get the odd injury here and there, but I, uh, I enjoyed the position. There's also a lot less running, which sounds really stupid, but uh, there is a lot less running in that position. <laughs> so you naturally move to fullback, where you have to cover literally touchline to touchline. <laughs> that whole pitch, yeah. <laughs> I have to make yeah. up for lost okay. time, coach. So if I'll play at the back, that'll be great. <laughs> I'm just gonna run around. I'm just gonna run shuttles until the ball's near me. No, um, I don't remember why I ended up in goal. I think it was just give it a go. Um, you know, like you do as a kid at school at 12, 13, you just kind of give everything a go and um, it sort of stuck. I don't know, maybe there was no one else to play it at the time. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed it I, and I stuck at it for, for five or six years. So I can, I remember we had to do it for PE in high school and it was, the rule was everybody had to do one lesson in goal, like to keep it fair. Yeah, and I I was close to phoning some sort of authority. I was like, this can't be legal to do this to a child. <laughs> I was this is very much. I was like sixteen at this time, so it's not like I was young and fragile. I still probably. But I was like, no, this is insane. I don't know whether like people took like there was the girls took certain pride about when they knew the the guys were in goal because it was like intergender P. So nice. That's the cool. girls the girls were just like, we get a free excuse to pelt hockey balls because we play this sport at the rugby team, to which the guys are going. <laughs> What do you mean you're not allowed to use the back of the stick? Why is that a rule? <laughs> so, chaos, but there we go. So, I want to talk to you a wee bit about, so, most people don't know, before you were at the front side, when you were the I Am Enough movement, you were actually doing a bit of work on rugby as a producer for O2 and things like that, and doing a bit of freelance work. How did you get into that situation? Because that's like a really interesting role. And the whole point of this podcast was, I want to show people that there's more to sport than just the people we see playing on the TV. So, I know yeah, it yeah, it's a huge, it's a huge part of, of sport and not just rugby is having obviously people involved in all sides of the game. Like, um, I've been at OSU for a couple of years now. Um, and obviously, having that job, I went in and said, Look, I know nothing about music. I know you've got the O2 partnerships and the, you know, the academies and things like that. But the reality is rugby all day long. Um, I can tell you a lot about rugby. I can tell you even more about women's rugby. Um, and, and that's the truth of it. So that's kind of how that all came about. And um, I think my, my uh, boss at the time was was very much like, well, we've got people that know about music. So uh, in you come. <laughs> thing. Uh, and, and yeah, so I've been really lucky at O2, like anything, pretty much anything to do with the England rugby side of things when it comes to like production and, and content. Uh, I fortunately get to get involved. So uh, yeah, get that, get to, you get to spend a couple of hours with the England players every now and again. And I'm obviously skipping and hopping myself into that situation so no that's been that's been great um and yeah that was uh just after the i'm enough movement i think well i'm yeah, um, i'm so jealous of literally when you get it because i see you i've been following you on social media for enough and you're just like oh another day at the office and you'll be like walking yourself down the tunnel at Twickenham, and then i'll just see like a <laughs> yeah, little yeah. camera and interview station set up and i'm like there's some people that get to live your dreams and what's worse is they then accidentally told them in front of you for quite a while so. <laughs> <laughs> no it is good fun and, and and everyone we've ever met has been incredible like there's there's not been one shoot i've done hand on heart that i haven't enjoyed and pe and everybody i don't know if maybe it's it's rugby um we have a little bit less than other sports sometimes 
Mm-hmm. So maybe there's a bit more of an appreciation. I don't know, but especially the girls, you know, the women are incredible and they will, every, everybody's equal in that situation. Um, so, you know, you get a really good chance to just have a chat with them and, and see what they think about things and, and learn their stories and stuff. Um, yeah, days like that, they don't happen that often. It might look like they do, but they don't. Uh, and, and they are incredible days when they do happen. Um, so for me, if I can make more films just to hang out with them, then uh, I'll do that. <laughs> I, I will back everything you've just said about the girls being so equal, everything, they will always help anybody, nothing's too much trouble. I yeah. cannot back any, I think every message I've sent on social media has been either greeted with, yeah, I'd love to do it, sorry, I can't, or if you need me to put you in touch with this person, I will, it's, everybody is so, like you said, just so welcoming, and then... It's always something, yeah. That's it. I try I tried to make this podcast not strictly about rugby, but rugby guests keep coming on because that's what I know and then like you said everybody will always turn around and go if I can help you I will yeah and that's every time if you're listening to that approach you might not be able to help somebody directly but try to find somebody who can so I'm going to talk about the big guns now we're going to move on the I am enough movement how did that come about firstly what is it for those that don't know I can't imagine there's many watching this podcast that don't but you don't I like not. to cover all I like to cover all bases <laughs> You might be reaching new audiences. You're reaching rural Scotland. Exactly. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Have you, exactly. to, have you ever I been to so. rural Scotland? I have not, but I'm sure your parents are listening. <laughs> oh, that's three quarters of the population. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> no. So the I'm enough movement. What was it, and how did it start? Uh, yeah. The sh- the the short of it is um, Canterbury launched a new kit with Ireland, uh, and when they did that, they used the male players as the models for the kit, um, jersey shorts, the works. And for the female kit, for the women's jersey, they superimposed it onto models. Um, so that is how it all began. Uh, a player tweeted about it, just being like, look, huge missed opportunity here. How could you possibly think this was a good decision? Um, and not only have you you know, not used the players, but you've superimposed the kit onto the players. You could have very easily superimposed it onto them, you know? Um, mm. And, and that's really what sparked the conversation. There was a lot of people online and on Twitter and, you know, the, the dregs of Twitter bring themselves to the forefront in moments like this to tell you how um, women don't deserve to be models for their kit. They're not appealing enough to other women for them to want to buy things that um, forwards, female forwards aren't good looking enough to be models. Like comments like that, you know, they actually said that forwards um, aren't good looking enough to model kit. And I went and found a picture of Joe Marler modeling a kit while he's doing it. What's it got to do with whether or not you think he's good looking? It's because he's good at his job. That's why yeah. he's there. Um, and your opinion of, of somebody's attractiveness isn't valid in this conversation. But anyway, so that kind of, it kind of sparked all this. And looking at it for me, I was like, there's kids on the internet and whether or not 13 is the age limit or whatever it is, we know that we know that that's really used. Um, there are kids on the internet who are seeing this kind of commentary and who are able to see it. And if there's the next Maggie Alfonsi that wants to pick up a rugby ball, see some arsehole on Twitter say that women don't deserve to play sport, don't deserve to play rugby, women don't deserve anything in society, uh, they might believe that. Yeah. And I remember growing up thinking I didn't deserve to play sport or I, I didn't really have a space like that. And it's bad enough getting it from, you know, kids in school and stuff because kids are assholes and it happens. Yeah, they are. You know, are <laughs> it's not great, but they are. And it's, that's true. And if you if the other place you go to find sort of more sources of information and inspiration of the Internet and, and the first things you come across are, are men telling women that they don't deserve anything, that they shouldn't play sport, that they're ugly or that they're fat or whatever it may be, then how do you change that narrative? And 
how do you how do you prove to them that somebody does care about what they want to do and what they want to be and it kind of just sparked this moment in my mind and I was like I remember that feeling and I thought kids were doing it better I thought the next generation was doing a bit better than we did but it turned out I was clearly wrong um and I wanted to find a way to hopefully just make that change and hope that one kid one girl growing up knew that she could play sport maybe rugby and I'd be really pleased if it would be rugby but the grand scheme of things I don't care be whoever you want to be um and and if I can create a piece of the internet that that says so then uh, that was kind of how how it happened and I was on my way to the gym when that sort of phrase I am enough kind of came to me I was like well I am and mm -hmm. I think the players should should know that they are too um so that's how that phrase specifically was kind of designed as such um and then I started messaging people basically on Instagram just saying look um on Thursday I'm gonna have this movement hashtag I'm enough um you know just to, to to counter the fact that we're being told that we don't deserve to play rugby or model our kit post a picture of you whether it's in your kit whether it's not whether you know whether it's your hair done or your makeup done or whatever you know whatever represents you um mm -hmm. and and yeah just just post that on Thursday so people people did basically Instagram blocked me I sent so many messages um <laughs> that weren't being replied to fast enough that Instagram blocked me for I think like yeah, 24 hours at a time yeah. or something yeah so um yeah and that's kind of how it happened and it went far beyond anything I could have ever imagined it went all over the world you know people from Australia New Zealand the USA Hong Kong like all over Central Europe everyone got involved and it's not just international players grassroots players you know and for me it's really key grassroots mm -hmm. players were involved in that so sorry that wasn't the short version at all but that is what happened and how it happened and, and why it happened really uh, and that um, that was uh, August 2020. So it was incredibly well put, and I loved your description of the horrible people that because you just went straight for it. And went, they are arseholes, and there is no two yeah. ways about it. It's yeah. a weird way. It's a weird way to announce that you're a misogynist by talking on Twitter like that. But if that's it what is. people do to get, yeah, yeah. If people don't fancy going to work on Monday, I suppose that's an avenue they can take. Because if you just come yeah. back, you don't deserve anything. But I love the fact, I had no idea that it was not pre-planned, but you, you messaged a few people and got a few things going. I thought it was just a spur of the moment thing and took off, but I love that we're actually going to show that this is a togetherness thing as well of getting a few people to just go, it's not one person. Because I, I, I originally didn't know that and I thought it was you and I was going to ask you, I was like, did it, did it, I mean, you've still got an overwhelming amount of support you never expected to receive, but. How did it feel watching it go like the wild, not wildfire because it was controlled, <laughs> but you know the expression, well, it, was it, wildfire. it grew, yeah. It, um, it, I, it was so much that I had to actually turn my phone off at one point just to try and like handle the moment because <laughs> I'd never ever had anything like that and, and fortunately because I did come into like the, the film, I was actually yeah. much better at handling that situation but it, it was unstoppable and at that time I didn't really use Twitter either um, yeah. but it had gone to Twitter. Um, so I just turned Twitter on to see what happened, I think. And I was like, oh, no, I wasn't prepared for that. Um, but that was sort of sort of how it all it all came about. And yeah, it was it was incredible. And I think more than anything, it was just it was amazing to see that it really resonated with so many people. It wasn't just rugby union. It was rugby league and, and other people that I spoke to that like maybe friends on, on you know, on Facebook and stuff, because it was all over that, too. And. They just said, I, I, can't, I can't believe it and I get it because it wasn't necessarily a, it's not necessarily a rugby feeling. It isn't mm -hmm. a rugby feeling to feel unwelcome in a place you want to be. So yeah. people who don't like sport and who don't like rugby got it too. 
um mm. and 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 that's sort of what i think was probably uh the most wonderful part is that everybody felt together through the whole thing and that was really the aim you know was to to give everybody a space so yeah it was yeah it was more of building up than it was of trying to tear something down yeah somebody exactly. else uh, how did you feel when it's like you just said that when the other sports got involved were you just was, like did, did it kind of were you just kind of just like holy sh- i'm <laughs> like we're, we're doing something here yeah, I think it was just the validation that the point we're trying to get across was was there, and it wasn't about a, a attack or or blame. It was just about empowerment, um, and and that's really what comes through is that it empowered people to find a voice that they hadn't thought they had, uh, mm. and now they know they've got it. Okay, and then following on from that, what was the emotion when you saw Canterbury going? Do you know what? Everybody's right here. We've we've chucked this, and we are holding our hands up. Was that a I don't want to say, because it's not, like we said, we're just talking about building, we're not trying to tear things down, you're not trying to, I suppose you're getting a win, but you're not trying to win at the expense of somebody losing, if that makes sense, is how I um, sort of see it on, because I'm I'm very much an outsider, like, I'm, an, I'm an advocate and an ally, but I was very much a, not, I'm not, you're not on the fence, but I was an outsider looking in, I was, I was, a, I, was I guess I was a fan, is probably the more accurate description of it, I was, I was watching a team that I wanted to succeed, so... How did it feel the emotions when Canterbury posted what they posted saying we're sorry? Yeah, um, so I'd actually messaged Canterbury in the mm-hmm. build up too, and I said, Look, you're actually gonna get caught in this crossfire. And the reason I said that is because they're not the first brands to do this and they're not gonna mm-hmm. be the last, but they are gonna get caught in quite something quite big around it. And to, mm-hmm. to give them the sole blame of, of an action like this technically isn't fair because, you know, they're not, like I said, they're not the only person to make a mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to give them warnings to know what was coming um, and, and, and really the opportunity to do the right thing. They could have just ignored me. They could have said nothing, yeah. uh, but, but they didn't. They we had a big conversation about it. It gave them the chance to, um, to readdress what they were going to do and it meant on the day when we all posted they could post too so they had they had forewarning um mm. and what they did was express the fact that they would never they would obviously never do it again but also that how they would be better and make sure there's always men and women in every campaign and that everything is done equally and it's it, it's done together and for that you know most, some brands would just pretend like it didn't happen ireland certainly yeah. never said anything True. So, Very true. Well, so I suppose looking actually, at looking at how the thing went with Monster the other day, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm but at the yeah. end of the day, they stood up and they held their hands up and said it won't happen again, and and we will look to be better. And and now they have three female ambassadors. One's Ain Abelima, who's in No Woman No Try. Mm-hmm. One's Ellie Kildan, who plays for England, and and one is Woman Dan, plays for New Zealand. So they've made a real difference to their culture. And and ever since, I've spoken to them a lot since, and and they are doing things better and differently. So. Look, if Canterbury, if anything, out of the whole situation, deserve actually applause for their response to it, because uh, there are plenty of brands who just sort of go, yeah. "Oh, just leave it, leave it, it'll quiet down." Uh, so yeah, I uh, I applaud them for that. No, it, do you know what? I completely agree. I think it is important to hold your hands up, and because I know uh, from previous jobs, I know there are women that work at Canterbury, and they were equally on your side as much as anything. They said what we're doing isn't right, so I'm glad to hear it. I don't know, I could never, as I said, I'm almost an outsider on this situation, supporting from the stands, mm. but I was very much on team I'm enough, and I still always will. <laughs> yeah, no, you're saying me too, me too. <laughs> Shocked, <laughs> never thought. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, we're going to talk about the good stuff, the stuff that you've been doing the rounds, but as usual, you've come to my little podcast last because the main event is always last over in 80 minutes. Here we are. So no woman, no try. Where did the first idea for this come about? Was it straight on following from the I'm Enough movement or was there a bit of time? Did you talk to O2? Did your boss go, you're pretty dab hand at this stuff. Let's let's give you let's give you the keys to the kingdom and see what you can do. Or was it um, Amazon no, so, Tell no, me I'm gonna stop asking you questions, you tell me. Uh, <laughs> so first of all, O2 had no input in this. Uh, <laughs> it was a completely separate project. I hadn't joined O2 at the time. Oh wow. I joined them shortly after. But wow. um so it kind of it was like a developing idea i knew from august when it happened that we'd had this big moment we'd had this impact it clearly resonated with women regardless of sport regardless of rugby and and that was incredible and there, there, we knew there was something in it you know um but a movement like that is exactly that it's only a movement on social media it stays very much in that echo chamber um, of the people it empowers because of the algorithms you know it goes to the people that are going to like it the most it doesn't necessarily go to the people who actually need to hear it um, and all, all I could really sit and think was well are, all of these women resonate with this conversation completely agree with with equaling lived experiences that explain exactly these feelings and these emotions but the people who have their finger on the money the people who make these decisions do not follow me on instagram i preach like they do don't get me wrong but and i will never stop doing that but they don't and they are very unlikely to see or hear this message or they might get it a brief glint of it but they won't really get the whole thing so how do we take it and how do we translate it to those people so they will see it they will hear it they'll want to be better because of it um and that kind of idea, September, October, November, so that probably developed over like three months. I knew there was something in it, but I didn't really know what it was. And then um, over time, I was like, well, if you pick a demographic, this is a marketing brain in me, like if you pick a demographic of people I'm really trying to reach. Mm-hmm. It's going to be people who probably watch TV. Right? It's not going to be, it's not the people following me on social media because we, we've done that. So how do we reach the people who are probably sat at home in the evenings watching the TV, might be watching streaming platforms, might be watching Sky, all that kind of stuff. We've got to put something on the TV then, haven't we? Something they're going to watch. And that's really where that idea developed from. How do we take that message and translate it into um, an hour-long film-length uh, piece of information, documentary that we can we can share and something that's emotive and emotional and and and, and empowering. There's like Again, there's no blame there's no finger pointing look decisions have been made mistakes have been made things have been always been done the right way but we sit here and complain about it no one's going to listen mm-hmm. how do we tell the stories that very much transcend rugby and sport and speak to these collective experiences um and c- can empower mostly men to also be part of that conversation that was it you know that was the aim and i knew by putting women in, from rugby on the tv that would empower other women that would empower girls that would that would empower the next generation of athletes just because they could see them that's visibility solved right there mm-hmm. um well not solved but you know what i mean that's a that's yeah. an, another step towards more visibility um but access and funding come from people who make these decisions far more than you know i can so i was like well mm-hmm. what can i do i i i can make i can make a film so i can find people that can make a film that's what i can do uh, I can't play for England and use that platform. I will not stand at Twickenham in an England shirt singing the anthem in front of 80,000 people. That's just not me. I won't ever have Sean Brown's platform, but I, I can do what I can do. So um, let's give it a go and just see what happens. Um, I found some guys, Ben and Jack, who have been 
integral to making this. They are the reason it, it went from an idea to a film. Um, and they were on board from day dot. I met them once and they said yes immediately. Well, they said yes after me talking at them for four hours. <laughs> I think they said yes to shut me up. But they said yes nonetheless. And I, said, and I was like, that's it, you're done, you're in. Um, and you then, shook the hand, you're in. Yeah, 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 I was like, done, I'm leaving because you said yes. Um, and that was sort of, that was how it kind of went from there, really. And um, we got people saying yes. We had people who couldn't be involved, which was a shame. Uh, unions that told their players they couldn't be involved. That's whole other conversation for another day um i think i probably know which union told you you couldn't be involved yeah well. well yeah yeah um and and that was really kind of how it how it went and wanted people that could really represent rugby properly uh not necessarily the history of rugby but the future of rugby uh it's an extremely diverse cast you very rarely find any film uh that looks the way this film does uh and and that is purposely done because i can't personally empower Muslim women to play rugby I can't do that but I can give a platform to someone who can and that was that, you know that's the point Ugo, Shauna, Z they can empower people I can't empower do you want to, do you want to know what I oh, sorry, sorry to do you want to know what I found so empowering about what you've just said there I was so drawn into the one message of making women feel comfortable, powerful, wanting them to get involved in sport, I never even looked at it from that perspective because I saw so many people all wanting for the same goal and it was I don't know whether that's an almost a negligence on my half but I was so drawn into everybody fighting for the same goal I just kind of saw we are all different people all wanting the same thing here and that's so I mean that's probably credit to the way you created the film that was very well done but <laughs> thank you yeah. yeah well that was that was it at the end of the day we are all on the same page mm-hmm. um I it couldn't be an all all female talent we had to have men included in the conversation I've said that from the start men need to be part of this conversation just as much as women. It isn't a one side versus another. It's all of us together. And and Sue, she knows everything about women's sport in general. Uh, mm-hmm. So she could bring a real insider knowledge from what other sports do and what other sports have learned and how that translates into where rugby is as a sport um, and where women's rugby is. So, you know, it was everybody involved was really a piece of the story that, that helped build a bigger understanding of the game and you know what what Shauna says about her experiences as a kid and and what Steph says about her experiences as a kid most people can relate to what they say um because we've all been in situations where we don't feel we're welcome you know Steph's Mm -hmm. story and I won't give it away to you who haven't watched it because it needs you need to hear it from her um it's almost heartbreaking it is heartbreaking Mm -hmm. we actually stopped filming to 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 pause and 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 to give her some time and and then to come back and collect herself and 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 sort of start again um Mm. and you see that and it will show that for a reason we show that because it's such a powerful moment and um you not everybody's maybe been through that but they have been through situations where they've been bullied for not being who society has told them to be whether it's at school or at work um mm-hmm. or on day-to-day life and you don't have to be female you don't have to play rugby to relate to that feeling i think that is what's the kind of the the mind-changing moment yeah when you get to that you realize this isn't about women and sport this is about giving people a place to belong that's mm-hmm. what this film is about it's about empowering people to find a place that, that they want to be and, and, and mm-hmm. that they can be 
um, because society hasn't given them one. And, and as soon as you get to that feeling, as soon as you really understand that deeply, you get what we're trying to say. This isn't women screaming from the rooftops about how men are the worst thing in the world. This is none of that. And I think there's some apprehension especially for men coming towards this film, is that that's probably what it's going to be. And it's not that at all. It's just about society predominantly gives women one route and that's to be a feminine, skinny model. And that's the only way you can you can access any power and success. The reality mm-hmm. is that's not true. You can be strong and powerful and be successful. And that's what this is showing, body types, which is, which is rugby, right? It's rugby through and through. You get that. The men, men talk about it all the time. Rugby gave every every guy, every size, every height, every shape, position to exist. And somehow we struggle to translate that to, to women. Mm-hmm. Um, and we certainly struggle to translate that into a wider society and the media. So that was for me, it was like, how can I help create some visibility to, to women I couldn't see? And, and I'm sure I, there are kids feeling the way I did. You know? So it was kind of all built on that emotion um, and and hopefully, when kids watch it, they can see somebody they could one day be if they want to be. Um, and, and, when, and when men watch it in positions of power and privilege, they see how they could be better and how they could affect that change. So, you know, it was quite deep um, in the end. Kind of, I can't, I can't simplify it any more than that because it really was. I, I wouldn't ask you to. Change. That was perfect. That was that was perfect. And like you, even you just mentioned it, it brought back the emotions I felt watching it the first time, which was quite intense when you're just trying to eat a lunch on a thursday yeah, but yeah. Was... it is something you really need to focus on but um but it's, yeah it's, i've it's seen it a few times but it's even even when you're not focused on it it pulls you in is what it actually does and like you're talking about that specific moment that you do even if you are starting to wander off like for example if you're skiving work and checking your phone you do hear the change in the, the voice and the emotion come through and you do stop and go i need to really pay attention to this and to yeah. your point about making sure everybody can have fun as well, I remember distinctly Wales when I watched a video of Adam Jones hugging Shane Williams, and that was the point I knew rugby was a sport for me because yeah. if you've got those two people playing at the highest level, like there's no reason, there's no reason anybody shouldn't play rugby. Everyone should at least go and see a rugby club and get involved. Yeah, exactly. Oh, look at that. We're back. As you'll notice, there's been a quick change of clothes. We had a thing. Victoria had other commitments and I was in no right way to stand in the middle of them. And we were having such a good conversation. I just was not prepared to cut the podcast short. And so she's graciously given me more of her time to take up another evening when she should be with her feet up, resting with a job well done. So, Victoria, thank you for coming back. No, thank you for um, restarting. (laughs) (laughs) My pleasure. So we just finished last time. We just spoke about the big emotional part in No Woman, No Try. And about how it had moved everybody and how we were bringing people actually re-engaging them almost to a second level when you already had them hooked and drawn and really pushing that power home now i wanted to talk a bit more about getting the male represent representation on board you had obviously ugo was not a major part i think but he was there he was present he has been an activist and an ally for a long time how was it getting him involved and how did that process come about you know having ugo involved was probably one of the the best things that we could do um i've always said that this conversation isn't one side against another it's both sides coming together we need to have male voices involved in that um and to to i had an introduction to ugo i sent him a quick email just very basic want to make a film about women's rugby we should be involved um had a chat with him and he was just on board from from day dot you know there were really really no no questions and hopefully that's because 
he knew how passionate I was about it and, and how much I was going to put into it. And and again, he was the same as everybody else. There was no promise of Amazon. There was no promise of you know the platform we were going to create. It was just um, where there's a will, there's a way. And he really bought into that. So, yeah, to have him involved. And like you say, he's a very visible male ally. And the work that he does is incredible for the women's game. You know, he takes every opportunity to stand up and share it and did that before it was cool, I guess, is the best way to way to kind of do it. Mm-hmm. You know, he broke down a lot of those barriers and um, used his platform that he has to promote the women's game. And you, that's kind of all you can ask from, from male allies is that they, they open up doors um, to, to, uh, pools of people and, and to to audiences that we actually don't have access to right now and and normalizes the conversation talking about men's and women's rugby at the same time just as rugby and, and nothing else so yeah having him involved was incredible i'm so glad you said that but then i used to in a previous job when i used to have the grace of working with some female female athletes female rugby i hate when we call them female rugby players they don't play female rugby but like uh, so you said you just we just call it rugby and we just go so i was talking to somebody else there's like oh you're watching the six nations at the weekend they're like oh the six nations is finished and i was like no no the men's six nations is finished but the six nations hasn't finished and then you're getting there so in uh, setting up my own segue in the cheekiest way a host can ever do we've now discussed the women to try we've got some of the biggest we've got one of the biggest names in women's rugby at the moment on the pod we've got to talk about the six nations how, how are you enjoying it? This is a good competition this year, actually. Yeah, it is. It's a great competition. Um, for the next couple of years, I think you're going to obviously see the Red Roses out on top. Um, the England-France game will be a bit like a final, uh, as it has been mm-hmm. in the past and it has been in, in previous Autumn Internationals. And, and that's great. But I think what's really interesting is is the middle of the table seeing Wales perform um, the way they have and that kind of extra 10 12 minutes they have in them just from Mm -hmm. the professionalization of the game you know and I I think you can directly attribute the win over Ireland to having the extra legs having the extra practice having 12 professional players and 12 part-time players that's a huge step And, and if you just think that gave them that extra 10 minutes against Ireland what it can do for them in the future um after just a couple of months it, it you're showing the edge and and I think it's going to put some pressure on other unions who haven't made that step yet and who haven't mm-hmm. made that consideration and, and who don't necessarily think it's the right thing to do. That's their choice. I think they're wrong, but that's their choice. I'm not in charge. Um, but you can clearly see who's out on top. And unfortunately now there is no hiding the investment and the professionalization of the game is making a real difference. So if other unions want to be part of that and want to continue to stay as tier one nations, they are going to have to invest in the women's game. But without going down that segue too early on, um, I think the championship's looking incredible this year. And it's um, it's Fantasy League, I think, is a stroke of genius. They finally properly got that up and running. And, and yeah. it makes a real difference. You know, I'm learning so much more about um, players across the teams. And also, very honest, I'm learning a lot more about forwards because I, I know the backs because I am <laughs> one. And, and I know what they do. I don't really know what goes on in a scrum. It confuses the hell out of me. Uh, and I've, I've tried to avoid knowing anything about it for the last 10 years, but it is helping me learn a lot more about the forward pack and, and who they are and what they do uh, and, and actually all the nations as well. So I think um, 
that alone is a huge growth for the game and some knowledge of the game for people coming in. Now, I only started playing it a couple of years ago and I'm completely dedicated to it every every year now. So, are you want to make the fantasy now? I thought you meant you started. Yes. Yeah, no. Are you in Jess Hayden's league? I am, yes. Yeah, I am getting stomped in that. And I thought I was. I want to say I managed to hit the top 100s, but I think I got chucked back out of it. Because like you said, I was learning a lot more about other players. And I, I'll, the one advice I'll give anybody is get Jade Conkle in your back row because a Scotland player that is just goes one way and that is forwards and it's just easy easy points for game line success. It's true. Yeah, yeah, I think there's... Um... Oh, look, there you go. I'm 10th at the moment. All right, settle down. <laughs> in, in Jess Hayden's league. I didn't I didn't do that well on the first weekend. I did all right last weekend. I didn't, uh, I didn't anyone who had Lydia Thompson as their captain uh, definitely yeah. won the round, that's for sure. And anyone who had Marley Packer as their captain the round before definitely <laughs> won that round. Um, but yeah, sorry, I digress. I got excited. Uh, any, I love fantasy, whether it's American football, women's rugby, men's rugby anything you pick if you make a fantasy league and i see it on twitter i'll join it if it's a public league I'll, i don't have to know anything about the sport i don't and then you, you like you said you realize about so many players that like i i wasn't that familiar with a uh, sansus the french nine and then i think squidge made the best comment in the world going it's mental that toulouse have the best nine in world rugby and she plays for the women's team because <laughs> they've got it's true. Support on it. yeah yeah <laughs> so i want to talk about the actual the women's we just had groundbreaking we had groundbreaking, how would you call it? Groundbreaking, da, 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 what's the word? Attendance records, that's what we got. Yeah, the biggest one in Wales. How was that to see across? Because that was getting some good press as well. And it was it was nice to see. It was nice to see the amount of young fans that were there as well when the TV cameras were doing the pans. Yeah, definitely. There's record-breaking weekends every weekend at the moment, which is obviously incredible to see. And whilst the women's games on the rise, I think we're going to keep seeing that for a little while now. We've got 11,000 fans this weekend booked in for England v Wales. Um, we've got 11,000 fans for the England-France game in in France, in Toulouse, I think that is. You know, those, those numbers you, you, you rarely see mm-hmm. in the women's game at the moment. And to have those sort of pre, pre-done, knowing that the, those tickets are sold and knowing that everyone who can buy a ticket has bought a ticket, um, that's incredible. So hopefully that'll carry through and, and is really positive looking forward to 2025 and hopefully when England are hosting the World Cup, Cup here, we might have a full Twickenham Stadium. I definitely think it's on the cards if everything's going the way it's going. But no, I I read just before we came on here to to finish off the podcast. I think they've only got for the England game, the one at Gloucester. I think they've only got is it five hundred tickets left to sell, and they're predicting a sellout because it's something to do with like the amount of tickets they've purchased within the last twenty four hours. Is which mental. one's that for? It's the one. What's the one that's at Gloucester? Yeah, England Wales. That's the one. Yeah, this so weekend. They, they, yeah, yeah. So yeah. the eleven thousand tickets are sold already, by the, um, which I think is a sellout. Well, that's just near the end anyway, Victoria. We've only got my favourite segment to do, which is under the team bus. This is going to be a bit more different because we're going to base it around the no women, no try. So no under the team bus, kind of similar to the quick fire questions at the start, but all you have to do is pick the first name that comes to your head from the people you were working with on no women, no try. Okay, interesting. Sounds simple enough. So I'll give you a quick example of the first one. What we do is... Who was the most determined? Like, who was the one that was there? It's like, we're going to get every shot. We're going to make it perfect. And then, like, we're just... There was nothing was off limits then. They're like, we'll do it if it makes it better. That's what we'll do. Steph. 
Nice. I like that quick answer straight away. Who was the biggest practical joker on set? Who was the one that was always trying to make people laugh? Shauna. <laughs> right. Who was the most clumsy slash gullible? Me. <laughs> Who was the most up for a night out? What was it any occasion? Like, just go get on the beers. Good question. Do you know what? I've not had a beer with Ugo yet, so if he does listen to this, he owes me one. I like that. Ugo Monier. Oh, Ugo Monier owes the girls a beers. I like that. Who had the worst fashion sense? Who turned up in some outrage? Not necessarily bad clothes, but who turned up with some awful combinations? Um, do you know what? I don't think anyone did, unfortunately. No. Everyone that's, came dressed to impress. That's a media trained answer. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, trust me. If there was someone, I'd tell you. <laughs> right. Uh, who do you think would be the best dancer on the dance floor if you got the guys together for a night out? Oh, Sue, without doubt. Really? You think she'd cut yeah, shapes? Yeah, I think I think she, I think she would. I think she's dark horse. And vice versa, who do you think would be the worst dancer? Definitely. I'm gonna have to say definitely Jack, one of the the, the editor and exec producer. Really? Do you reckon he's? Got I'd some, love to see him dance. Yeah. Some fire dance moves. All on. limbs. Well, I think it's all limbs. Yeah. <laughs> well, just he needs his own little like four foot radius circle just to keep himself safe. Yeah. Right. Who was the one that kept looking at the camera when they weren't supposed to be looking at the camera? Ooh. Probably Z, but she was supposed to look at the camera when she did. In the end, it ended up working really well every time she did. So um, we didn't plan it, but I guess Z probably looked down the lens most. <laughs> right. Who was the most difficult to get the shot? Who was like, can we do that again? Can we do that again? Can we do that again? I guess most camera shot was probably really yeah, hands down, yeah. Did you not did you enjoy it or were you just kind of just like No, well I'm oh, used to being on the other side of the camera. <laughs> I'm not used to being that side of the camera. So yeah, if I could go and do my whole lot again, I would. <laughs> right. Who do you think was the most hard as nails? Shauna. I wouldn't dare tackle her. No, I I think that's a safe bet, to be fair. Right. Lastly, who was the longest in front of the mirror when you were getting ready for the shoot? Who was the one in hair and makeup? Me. Really? Yeah. You can tell as well. <laughs> it was really bad. That's not it's right. I didn't look at the thing at all. It wasn't like I it did. Like, it wasn't like I did, but I've watched it so many times I don't have to pay attention to the words anymore. <laughs> I'm paying attention to the rest of it. But yeah. Do you know what it is? It's because it's yourself in it. I hate watching stuff back with me. Like, mm. you see, when I try to edit these back, I sit cringe in the whole... I watch it with my eyes closed and just try to listen. Yeah, I know that. I used to do that too. I get it. Do you know what it is? It's saying, it's saying like and things like that, and you go, like, but this, and you just say, like, come on, string a sentence together, Sam. It's not that hard. Well, there you go. You have finished under the team bus. Hopefully that wasn't too bad. I and tried, now... you know what? I tried to get everybody in. I know I didn't get Ben in there. Um... <laughs> So sorry right. about that, Ben. Let's see. Oh. Shout out to Ben Marlow who didn't get a name drop. Ben Marlow, you might be the worst dancer. We'll have a dance off between Ben and. We should. We should yeah. definitely have a dance off. I could, I'd love to see that now. Just you and like Richmond Rugby Club, just sort of clearing a bath and some sort of footloose. Oh no, no chance. She wouldn't get me on the dance floor. Absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> well, speaking of dance floors, we've got to end with the iconic question, and that is Victoria. You have. Let's set the scene for you. So, No Woman, No Try, just won. I was about to say Oscars, that's a bad talking point. We won't pick that one. You've just won hey, something. Hey, well, there's a women's sports documentary won an Oscar, and it hasn't been talked about enough. The Queen of Basketball, short documentary, one short documentary. It's 22 minutes long. It's about Lucy Harris. Uh, she played for the USA team. 
and, and she was the first ever woman to be drafted by the NBA with the New Orleans. Nice. Um, and she was the first woman to score a basket at the Olympics. That's that's an incredible stat. I've loved that. Sounds like the perfect sort of you know, in LinkedIn has their wee tagline at the bottom. That's what I definitely put there. <laughs> Nothing about my job very much, but the first woman to score a basket at the Olympics. That's no, why I she was a pioneer and trailblazer, and I think that's you know it's an incredible moment to have a women's sports doc win an Oscar. So, hopefully, there's many more. Exactly. That's why I love getting people like this up because I learn stuff that I didn't even know. I I can do all the research in the world, and there's just things that people don't know. So that's the whole reason this is here. Well, anyway, we've set the scene. No women, no, no tribe, just won their Oscar. Following on from the many incredible ones that will have followed suit in between. You have now got a party bus on the way to a big fancy Oscars after party and you have to be given the ox cord and you have to pick three songs to get the team ready for the night out. What three songs do you pick and why? Uh, I pick Sweet Caroline because it gets everybody going whether you like it or not. Uh, mm. It gets everyone in the mood. Um, I would probably pick... Oh, I'm so bad at this. Uh, one of my recent favourites is I Am Woman. Gotta love that song. Great lyrics. Good song. Good song. Um... Number three. Oh, and I'm the... stuck. I'm not very good at songs. Yeah. I listen to them. I'm better at sport. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, going back that to the my... O2 crazy. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, that was my tagline in my O2 interview. Uh, I know nothing about music, but everything about sport. Um, oh, no, I don't even know everything about sport. Um, let's have a look. You had to pick a third song to get the team ready. You need, like, the big crescendo is what you need right now. Yeah, you've got the sing-along in Sweet Caroline. You've got the... Exactly. This one's kind of for I've me. I've got the empowerment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I've no idea. You're on your own there. <laughs> I'd pick those two, and then, and then I'd pass the buck somehow. <laughs> I'll pick those two. Well, there we go. Two out of three ain't bad. Do you know what? It's open-ended. You guys can have the third choice. You guys can fill what you think would be the perfect crescendo song. Victoria, thank you so much for coming back and helping me finish the rest of this podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. I feel more enlightened just from having this conversation with you, so I can't wait to keep on going and keep helping any way I can. Where can they find you on social media? Yeah, thanks for having me, Sam. You can find me under uh, Victoria H. Rush on all the social medias. Perfect. I like. I love people that have nice to sing. It's just everything is the same. I love that. I've Makes had to my change. life easier too, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> I had to change all mine because mine were all different. Well, folks, that's it. As usual, please leave a like. All the links to Victoria and everything are going to be down below. I'll try to get a link to No Women, No Try through there any way possible. I'm not giving out my Amazon code, unfortunately. That's not going there, but you'll find something. As usual, I love to hear constructive feedback, so please leave anything you can, any comments, any feedback, anything like that. If you're just going to be mean, I've got quite thick skin, so I don't really care what you have to say. Make it funny and I'll steal retweets that way. We'll go from there. Thank you very much. We'll see you again next week. Cheerio. Bye.